Hey everyone, back after a little week-long hiatus. This week we're going to continue talking about literary analysis and what we're going to go into today is what happens when you have real-life classes where students do not maybe work at the same pace or at the same level, so how to differentiate so you meet all those students without being really overwhelming and um, time-intensive for you, ways that we can streamline that process, ways that we can really make it so that we are embedding differentiation in our assignments. Welcome to Anti-Burnout for English Teachers. I'm Danielle Hicks, and I am your host. I will be in this podcast going over tips and strategies to avoid burnout. Being an English teacher is so tough, and we really need to join together and figure out ways that we can continue to build a great English classroom and also not feel depleted by the end of the year. So let's go. All right. Hey, so I am back after a week of not having a podcast. I'm pretty bummed about it because I've been on a roll, but I actually had COVID last week and I was going to actually just do the podcast like a day later. And then I realized that that was just kind of ridiculous because I was recovering from COVID, but I'm back. And this week, we're going to continue talking about literary analysis, but in this episode, looking at differentiation and also like structuring units in a way that makes differentiation more accessible. So um, I'll first just talk about units in general and then get into how that relates to differentiation. It'll be a little bit intertwined there actually. So I call this, I guess it's like a lazy way of creating units, but only, I don't know if that's fair. It's lazy in that I use the same structure all the time actually. I use the same structure for literary analysis units and then a variation for other units and that is that I have, I start with an anticipation guide, then have formative practice assignments, have a minor summative, and then another, like we go back to practice assignments and then major assessment at the end. And the reason that I do that is really so that I can respond to students. I find that if I don't have that minor assessment in the middle, I don't have enough or they don't have enough, like, real practice. Um, so it's almost like a little bit of a, a dry run, like a scrimmage, before they have that major assessment. So, all right, that is the, the basic structure. Um, so anticipation guide. So here is where I will introduce the unit question and the connected concepts. I've been working on a unit for my favorite movie of all time, which is actually It's a Wonderful Life. We're getting into that time where I can't wait to watch it. Um, I do a unit with my students and I'm putting it together for TPT. 
should be ready in the next day or two. But, um, well, actually, I'll put it in the show notes because it will be ready by the time I um, post this podcast. But um, the just to give an example, so the essential question for this unit is, are second chances and redemption integral parts of the American dream or are they simply idealized concepts? All right, so that's the essential question. And then I will have the connected concepts. So I have three. And I would say, like, I always have one essential question and then maybe like around three concepts, like maybe five. Um, But that's, I really like to have it more like three. So for this unit, it is uh, reinvention and personal growth. It's the new year, so I want them to start thinking about um, like where they were and where they're going and connecting that to the film. And then um, American Dream as an Ideal, that's part of the essential question. And then the third one is family and community. It's so present in the film. And I also want them to be talking about or reflecting on the classroom community and their place in it and their importance and, uh, you know, how everyone is interconnected. Um, So those are my three. Okay. And then in the anticipation guide, they'll discuss those concepts. I'll have questions around that. Um, and then we have the formative practice assignments. Okay. So, so that was just to kind of talk to you about the, it's, it's a wonderful life is not a literary analysis unit. It's like goal setting and it's smaller. Um, so the, uh, unit assessment around that is really just going to be more discussion. It has a big jigsaw in it, but, um, for the literary analysis units, the unit, that major assessment is a literary analysis essay. It always is for me. So everything that they're doing from anticipation guide to major assessment is feeding directly into this literary analysis essay. In the anticipation guide, they started talking about those questions. Uh, in the literary analysis essay would be like, uh, I don't know, it, it would vary, but for us, it generally has to do with connecting something to theme. So everything that they do to develop theme is going to be related to this this unit. And also, uh, it will have some kind of like uh, figurative language. Maybe it's specific. Like if we're going to talk about like symbolism, that would have a heavy emphasis in the assignments, for instance. Okay, and then the formative practice assignments. Okay, so the way that this works is this is the time in the unit where I am going to give the most feedback. The assignments are small because I want to try to quickly turn those around. I'll do maybe some practice group work and then have a smaller assignment that I'm going to give individual feedback on with, um, like I'll use comment codes. I might, um, as I'm giving feedback, give students sentence frames. I might actually rework something for them, give them examples. This is where I'm giving like 
heavy feedback. So um, we'll do several of these assignments. And what this might look like is uh, they might be doing quote analysis assignments where they're really just looking at single quotes and doing the analysis with them. I'm, I'll likely have them working toward a theme. So I'll give them a concept, have them pull quotes and analyze how that quote relates to the concept. Uh, I have several assignments where I'll say like, give me a piece of figurative language or a literary technique and explain how the use of that technique goes towards developing theme. Um, so there'll be assignments like that where they're doing that small chunk of work. It might be an assignment where they get a passage and they annotate and then write a paragraph. And this would be like a practice to the minor assessment, which would be just that close reading, annotation, connecting to the big question and paragraph. But back to that formative practice, uh, those formative practice assignments. So, um, while they are doing those assignments, I am having in mind the, those three concepts so that they're still funneling to that big question. And then I'm taking notes on where students are struggling. So at this point, I haven't done a lot of differentiation except in the amount of feedback and the type of feedback I've given to students. And then now what I'm doing is I'm collecting data as to where students are. Um, I might do this depending on how I'm feeling. I might do this by hand, like have a big like uh, roster, roster, oh my gosh, I'm definitely in track mode right now, um, my class list. And then I will make, you know, some notes as I go, or I also might decide that for each of these assignments, I use, I always use the same rubric, actually. I use the same rubric from, um, for quote analysis and paragraph writing and the major assessment. It's a pretty simple rubric. It has two um, pieces. So it's pretty easy to score with, but when I am taking notes, I'll have more. So at my school, we use ACEC, which is Assertion, Context, Evidence, and Commentary. So I would be doing that and also looking at quote integration. So I'd have like a Google form where as I'm doing assignments, I'll kind of just be giving them like a one through five score and it doesn't really matter um like it doesn't have to align to the root like as I said my rubric has two categories but I might be looking at more as I'm doing that google form but the reason that I would do it on the google form and have so much is so that I could differentiate and also so that I could get that spreadsheet and that would make it easy for me to look at the data as I'm going um Okay, so I've done those formative practice assignments. I have lots of data. I have given students lots of feedback. Now we go into that minor assessment where they're doing the close reading, the annotation, discussing the connection they see to that passage, to the big question, and then writing a paragraph. While they're working, what I do is my, I'm pretty much completely paperless. 
So I would say like 90% paperless. Um, I don't have, I don't think I have any students. Actually, I know I don't have any students that choose paper when writing essays. So I don't have to juggle back and forth. Um, I have the opposite. If I give students paper, they have accommodations to write electronically. But anyway, so as they're working, I am uh, actually checking in on their documents through my LMS. Um, so I can give students feedback as they're working on that assessment. We generally take the whole class period, so we do it in class. I'm giving them feedback, and if there's anybody that's really struggling, I can, like, go actually uh, work with them one-on-one. This is a minor assessment, but it is also, like, formative to that major assessment, so I feel like that is a reasonable thing to do Um, as far as, like, give that support. Uh, So then I will score that minor assessment, do those notes again, this point I will be giving less feedback hopefully because we've done all that I've given all that major feedback before with the comments but what I do like to do is go back to my notes and see what I've told them and if they still aren't doing it um uh, uh, something also to mention when they do that minor assessment I allow them to use the previous assignments so that they can look back at my notes. This is, like, as I said, like, really practice towards that major assessment. And for us, uh, we don't have a different grade category for minor assessments. I'm using that as a little bit of a shorthand. Like, it's more, it would be, I guess, like a quiz, but not really because it's still practice. I don't know. I don't know if there's really equivalent to other disciplines, like the way they would do it in math. But um, anyway, still practice. Um, okay, so they've done the minor assessment. I am able to go through these pretty quickly because I have looked at them while they're working. Um, and also I've started to give them feedback already. I tell them if I give them feedback while they're working, not to resolve my feedback, I want to be able to go back to see what I've already told them. So I've already started that process while they're working. Uh, so I go get those back to them. And then I take a look at my data. And what comes next is dependent on where the class is. I might do something as a whole class. I might say, okay, students, we are having trouble connecting our first piece of evidence and analysis to the second. So we're going to really work on some connection linking activities together or that's what the assignment is going to be for the formative practice. Or maybe I'll say, all right, I think that you have the skills in isolation, but you're having trouble putting those paragraphs together. So we're going to write some more. We're going to just do some more practice paragraphs. Uh, It might be that students generally are having trouble with, maybe they're having trouble identifying literary devices. So we're going to work on that. Or they're having trouble doing that like figurative language analysis. Maybe I'm having them look at like diction or something and they're having trouble with that. So we might work on that specifically or uh, they're having trouble with themes. Maybe that's the assignment. So if it's a whole class problem or most of the class, I will likely move on as a class. 
uh, or I can say all of these things are assignments that I have, like I have a lot of generic assignments that I could say, okay, you are going to work on quote analysis, you're going to work on thematic development, and I have like, I can kind of like dole out assignments. Um, another option that I really like is taking all these assignments and making a choice board. And when I'm doing choice boards, it's more like, instead of saying like the whole thing is due on Friday, what I'll do is say, okay, choose one of the three assignments that you're going to do for a choice board. It's due tomorrow or whatever due date. So it's not just like they have three assignments. I'm using this kind of randomly, but well, three is a good, a good assignment load for choice boards, but I might, I, it would, they would not be due at the same time. I want to be seeing things as they're getting, as they're doing them. That's partly, actually it's, it's mostly so that I can give them feedback as they're turning in assignments and I'm not getting these three large assignments or large, they don't have to be large, but getting these three assignments at the same time. So then I'm getting, you know, if I have a class of 30, I'm getting 90 assignments. That sounds terrible. I don't want to do that. So they're giving them to me progressively. They get their feedback. And I might say for students, depending on where they are, that I want them to, it might be less of a choice. I might say, choose between these two. Or I might say, I want you to do these three, but you can choose what order you want to do them in. And, or I might say, I really want you to work on what you're weak in. And this could be difficult for students because they're getting a grade on it. So they don't really want to work on their weaknesses or they don't want to work on what's hard. So to combat that, I do try to emphasize that this is still an opportunity for them to get feedback before that major assessment. And it's really like the last chance that they can before we start working on the literary analysis essay. Um, and that all of this is progressive. All of it is going to work to get them to that literary analysis essay. I also have often made this part of the process open revision. So you don't like your grade, let's talk about it, and then you can revise it. Because really the point is getting the skill right, not getting whatever grade they initially got when I gave them the assignment. So so you see, like, literary analysis units are very intensive for me. This would be, I've talked in previous episodes about having breathing room in curriculum and making sure to account for those like heavy and intensive times as a teacher and the times that are you know not as intensive if I had litter analysis all the time I would probably cry and maybe my students would too because I would be so sad it's it's a lot so this is just like a very high intensive time and I just have to know that. Um, so I do what I can to make it as easy as possible, but know that this is not a sustainable thing to do for every month of the year. 
so actually whenever we like as I said I'm doing this this unit that I'm planning for to put up on TBT that it's a wonderful life unit and that's partly because we will have come off of a literary analysis unit with the great Gatsby so that's giving me a break it's giving them a break it's uh still going to be very integral to the curriculum they'll be thinking a lot they'll be cycling spiraling those concepts but it won't require me being in their their assignments and giving them that intense feedback so that is that okay so then they've done this choice assignment or they've done the hodgepodge of assignments or whatever it is that I've decided to do for this you know section of time and then I also during this time will try to sprinkle in some games and by games like my students find that my games are not well I don't know I was gonna say they might they they don't find them super fun but I think actually a lot of them do I, I like to give like silly prizes so I might say the winners get an Oreo or like three M&Ms or like uh, some iced tea out of my pitcher or you know something something silly I also have these um, you might have seen them on Amazon these plastic winner trophy they actually just say well I when I replace them they have nothing on them now it's just like a little plastic like really cheap looking trophy but before it was this really cheap looking trophy but on it it said winner just generically winner and when students would win games a prize was that they could take a selfie with the winner trophy and they they got into that actually so um all right so games though so all these games still will be feeding into this literary analysis unit depending on what students need we might say that we are going to i'm going to give you a thematic concept you are going to have two minutes in your groups to find as many quotes as you can to fit that thematic concept. They find the quotes, they put them in a document, and then we have crowdsourced a bunch of quotes. Then we move on to the next one, and I kind of will say, okay, this is this is not a good one. I'm not accepting this. This is great. I love it. Plus two or whatever. So that is one game that we might play. Um... I have them go around and if they repeat evidence, then they get minus points. If they can't move on, then they're done for that round. And then they get another thematic concept the next round. That is a game. I might give them quotes and then have them write a claim or assertion. The one I like the most for each round gets them the points. It's all very, you know, just whatever Miss Hicks wants right now and makes her happy and they kind of get into that um 
Also, I might take paragraphs or pieces from that minor assessment, Frankenstein it all up, and have them work on a specific skill. So I don't have to rewrite them. I just take some of those things that they've already written, and they might work on embedding quotes or writing analysis, writing claims. I might make those into stations so that they can each work on their individual skill based on the, you know, what I've been collecting the whole time. So that is the way that I differentiate this unit. And like I said, it is challenging. It's the sprint portion of the race. And, um, but this is like, I think the, the smart approach, it is as, I don't know, lazy as I can make it. I'm going to connect a little bit to, in the show notes, a little bit of the, the, in the show notes, I'll connect to a blog post that I wrote for Ashley Bible at Building Book Love, where I looked at tech tools that every teacher should use, but it included pro keys and comment codes, which I referred to earlier, and I think that'll be really helpful. But to close, literary analysis is definitely one of those more intensive parts of the year for us, and I think that there are ways to make it simpler and easier and having that structure that you can repeat does help to reduce that cognitive load and really thinking about when even during the unit will be intensive times of feedback and when it will not be as intensive is very helpful for just maintaining some um, mental acuity partly and also for making sure that you are able to get the mental rest that you need as well. All right. Well, thank you for hanging out and I will be back next week. Anything that resonated with you, any questions that you have, please reach out to me at English Classroom Architect on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. Thanks for hanging out. Bye.